0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing this morning. so good to see all of you in the house today i'm excited about this week anybody excited about thanksgiving coming up this thursday um some people are so excited they they went ahead and got out of town they're traveling already they can't wait um, and so our prayers are with those that are traveling, those that are going to be um, traveling uh, today or th- this week. Um, my family and I were headed out of town as well, and just excited about the um, the, the things that we're going to get to celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness um, to us uh, for for this year. Uh, before we jump into the message, um, there's just something that I need to let you know about, and I, I want to say thank you. Um, thank you it doesn't really seem adequate enough um, but thank you is what i have thank you so much for your generosity Um, this past uh, thursday we delivered um, 67 baskets of thanksgiving complete thanksgiving meals plus extras Um, we had we had so much come in that we were able to not only provide with the original plan to give, um, put in each basket a complete Thanksgiving meal with everything that was needed, but we were able to put extra stuff in every basket, all 67, and then um, we had um, another family. So through your, um, outside of that, so through your generosity um, and the way that you gave, uh, we're able to bless 68 families in our community this year um with thanksgiving meals plus that otherwise would not have had anything um i uh thursday morning i had just shy of 2000 pounds of turkey in the back of my truck a literal ton of turkey that we've been able to distribute. And so I, I wanna say thank you all for the way um, that you gave. Uh, thank you to our corporate sponsors, Club 14 Fitness and Larry's Giant Subs. Um, I believe we're uh, on the TV in Larry's Giant Subs right now. I think they watch us every Sunday morning. To sh- so shout out to Larry's um, and everybody that's eating a sandwich there right now. Welcome to Christ Walk Church. Um, Those of you, there, so many of you, you donated food, you gave financially, you came to help sort and pack and deliver. Many of you prayed, Um, some did a little, some did a lot. We all did it together and that's what made the difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and make a difference in the lives of those that he has placed around us. And it's just a simple reminder one more time of the fact that if we will do for one what we wish that we could do for everyone, God will come in and he'll make up the difference. He'll bring the increase in a way that we never thought was possible. And so you guys rose to the challenge um, and I'm I'm just grateful to be your pastor and excited about, can't wait till next year, we might do a hundred baskets. How about that? Maybe 120. Let's get crazy, right? We'll just we're just gonna bless people. Um, today we are in uh, part three of a series called Thanks Living, where we've been taking a look at what the Bible has to say about cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness, gratitude, and contentment. And if you've missed either of the first two of the messages of this series, you can go back and find them on our podcast or our YouTube channel. But today, if you've got a Bible or you got a smart device, I want to encourage you, invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to um, a couple places is actually in the Old Testament both of them um, we're going to start off in the book of Psalms in chapter 100 and so you can maybe put your finger there and then we will eventually um, end up together in 2nd Chronicles 20. so Psalms 100 2nd Chronicles 20 and we'll land there in just a minute you know growing up I was uh, always a pretty good student um, all, the way through, um, all the way through college, through my master's degree. Um, I didn't make my first B in a class until my junior year of high school. I only had two Cs in my entire academic career, and those came um, in a couple college classes that I'm not even sure the professor could have passed, if we're being honest. Like They were hard. And, and I even scored pretty well on my ACT, which helped me to receive a scholarship to go to college in the first place. I, I have not only a bachelor's degree, but I have a master's degree. And one day I may even pursue a doctorate. Maybe, maybe. Let's not put the cart, you don't have to applause. You don't have to give applause. Let's not put the cart before the horse. But imagine y'all having to call me Dr. Snap. Yeah, some of y'all are regretting those applauses right now. Yeah, we didn't think that one through. But despite all of that stuff, there's one area of academics that I've always struggled with, which continues to this day, and that's math, right? And is there anybody in the house that just loves math, loves math? Everybody look around, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. These are the nerds among us, <laughs> those with their hands raised. I I hate math. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not good at it. It's just not in my wheelhouse. Um, that's part of the reason why I became a pastor, I suppose, because I took my last math class my senior year of high school in 1999, and I've not taken a math class since. Um, if I do so choose to go into a doctoral program, I will be very selective and choose one that does not require me to take any math. Um, there's very little beyond the basics of math that I, I remember how to do um, you know, from, from my days in, in school. Uh, both of my kids, um, eighth grade and, and uh, 11th grade, they no longer, it's been years since they've asked me for help on their math homework because they know dad's useless. When it comes, like once I have to like take off my shoe to count to a number, some of y'all get that on the drive home. Um, like once I get to that point, like it, it's just, it's it's beyond me. But there's one thing that I learned in math class that I don't think I'll ever forget. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Anybody with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. It's the the order in which you approach Um, calculating an equation. You first start with the parentheses and then you move on to the exponents and then multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. Because what we learned in math class, what please excuse my dear aunt Sally taught us is that when it comes to an equation, the order matters, right? The order, if if you wanna get to the right answer, you wanna have the right outcome, the order in which we do things matters. And here's what else I've come to discover. What is true for mathematical equations is also true for cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving and gratitude. The order matters. In fact, it's often the order in which we do things that determines the outcome. The order that we do things determines the outcome. So let let me explain here. Uh, Psalm 100 verses four and five. Hopefully you've turned or swiped there by this point. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Now, as I've been preparing and kind of working through this series and looking at the different texts that are are focused on the theme of thanksgiving in the scriptures, this one is one that has certainly stuck out. It's probably um, a familiar passage to many of you. It's one that you've heard um, quite a bit of time. If you've spent uh, quite quite often, if you've spent any amount of time in um, the church circles and as I read this, I just haven't been able to get away from that first word right there, enter. It's that, that first word, you, you know, like sometimes you can read a Bible passage and it seems like a word or a phrase seems to be like bolded and italicized and underlined and highlighted, you know, it's just like jumping off the page at you. That's how it's been with this word right here, enter, as I've been preparing for today's message. And so, so what this passage is talking about is coming into the Lord's gates, coming into his, his court, his dwelling place. It's, it's about entering into God's presence. It's about going to where he is and seeking out a relationship with him, an interaction with him. In short, this passage is talking about worship. And as we read this passage, we can clearly see that, that the presence of the Lord is a place that you and I, that we have access to. In other words, when, when we show up to worship, when, when we have the intention of, of coming into the Lord's presence and we show up to worship, what we find is that the Lord is already there. He's been expecting us. All along, the gates have been left open. The door is unlocked. It's kind of like what some of us are going to do this week. We're going to leave the places that we normally live and we're going to go maybe to our childhood home or to where our parents live. We're going to gather with family someplace for Thanksgiving. When you get there, you don't have to ring the doorbell and wait. It's already, the door's already unlocked. The people, they're expecting you to be there. And so when you arrive, you just come on in, right? But here in verse four, there's a stipulation or a condition that the writer of this Psalm points out to us. And it's the expectation that we come into the presence of the Lord already with thanksgiving. So it's this idea here, it's not only that we show up, that's important, but it's also how we show up and and this has implications that reach far beyond just going to church on Sunday morning this impacts the way that we live our lives each and every day we're supposed to enter with thanksgiving that, that means that, that, that we have thanksgiving even before we've had an encounter. That, that thanksgiving takes place in our heart prior to any experience that we've had. And so there, there's a few things that, that I think that this passage points out to us. Um, if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. It's really simple stuff. Again, I, I'm a simple man. I'm terrible at math. I have to make stuff really easy so that I can understand. But, but I think what the psalmist is getting at is, is um, you know, there's, there's really three keys here when we're talking about entering into God's courts, into his house, into his gates, into his presence with thanksgiving. And the, the first one um, is centered on the what of entering with thanksgiving. The what. And so we, we see here in, in Psalm uh, 100 verses four and five that that the what behind entering into god's courts with thanksgiving is that that it's a personal choice that there's nobody else that can do it for us right your your spouse may be thankful but that doesn't mean that you are Your your parents may have thanksgiving in their heart, but that doesn't mean that you do. If if we're going to enter into God's presence with thanksgiving, it's something that we have to do personally. Nobody else can do it for us. The second part of of the what of entering with with thanksgiving is, is that not only is it a personal choice, but it's also a purposeful choice. It's not gonna happen by accident. We're not gonna be walking along and just slip and fall into thanksgiving. It's something that, that we have to be cognizant of and, and we're we're making the decision, actively pursuing thanksgiving before we come into the presence of the Lord. It's, it's just like what we talked about last week in last week's message that we get to choose. We have the ability to choose whether or not we're going to be thankful. So not only is it is it a, a personal choice and a purposeful choice, but but also the 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 um, the what behind it is that it's a predetermined choice. That it takes place ahead of time, that that you can't enter with thanksgiving if you don't already have it once you get there, right? You have to have it when you show up. It it takes place beforehand. It reminds me of a little boy that was asked to pray over his family's dinner. Before bowing his head, he took a peek at what his mother had prepared. And then he closed his eyes and prayed. He said, Lord, I don't much like the looks of it, but I'm going to do my best to be thankful and eat it anyway. See, we may not like the looks of our situation in life right now, but you and I, we have the choice to be thankful anyway. And so what this passage reveals to us is, first and foremost, it's the what of entering with thanksgiving. The second thing is that it reveals to us the why of entering with thanksgiving. There in verse five, it says that the Lord is good. Psalm 145 verse 9 tells us, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Not only is the Lord good, but the Lord is also loving. 1 John four sixteen says, we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Not only is the Lord good, not only is the Lord loving, but the Lord is also faithful. Lamentations 3.23 says, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So we can be thankful simply because of who God is even before he's ever done anything for us. And then finally, what this passage reveals to us is not only the what, not only the why, but also the how of entering with thanksgiving. How do we do it? First and foremost, we do it with the attention of our mind. Philippians 4.8, Paul writes, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we come into his courts, bringing thanksgiving with the attention of our mind, also with the melody of our voice. There's a reason why we come together and we sing songs every time we come together and worship. That's what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we do so with the attention of our mind, with the melody of our voices, and finally with the devotion of our hearts. Paul writes in Colossians 3, 16 and 17, he says, let the message about Christ in all its richness Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And now I, I know what perhaps you're thinking right now, maybe you might be thinking right now, is is that because I, I wrestle with this as well, and I, I think some of the same things. It's that that on paper, this sounds really good, but that there's no way that I can possibly understand what you are specifically dealing with in your life right now, the situation that you're up against and and the the truth of the matter is that you're right. I don't have any idea of the weight that you are carrying and the particular situation and circumstance that you find yourself in today see just this week alone I've talked with someone that's going through a major job transition I've talked with someone who's trying to work through some drama and division in their extended family I've talked to someone who is facing a significant surgical procedure And I have no doubt that we could go around the room one by one this morning and that each of you would be able to add something to that list that would present a pretty solid case for why it's difficult for you to enter with Thanksgiving when the road leading into a new year is foggy and uncertain at best. That dealing with the situation in front of you, it's difficult to be thankful and you're you're finding it hard to to have thanksgiving in the midst of all that junk. And if that's the position that you're in this morning, I, I wanna direct you to another passage in the Bible as we close out our message for today that I believe applies directly to what we've been talking about. So if you wanna you wanna shift gears from Psalm 100 over to Second Chronicles 20, oh we're we we've got some ground to make up here. Can we uh, fast forward through several things? Several things. All right, back up, back up, back up, back up. There we go. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 20, this passage takes place when Israel was divided into two kingdoms and when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And there's really five sections here in this passage that that I want to focus on that that I think is going to help to translate this um, Psalm 100 passage and kind of help us to to put it in the reality of some of the stuff that you and I may face on a a regular basis. And, And it starts first and foremost with Judah's problem judah's problem and and this was uh, again when when the nation of israel was divided into two kingdoms and so judah was was um uh, one of those and we read in second chronicles 20 verse 2 it says messengers came and told jehoshaphat the king a vast army from edom is marching against you from beyond the dead sea Now, this wasn't just a singular army. This was, in fact, it was three armies in one. It was uh, the, the army from the Moabites, the army of the Ammonites, and also the army of the Mianites. And they had all come together to join forces. They had linked arms and they said, we are going to destroy and take over the people of Judah. And so Jehoshaphat, he's there, he's on his throne and some messengers come and say, hey man, you've got a problem because these armies, they've joined forces and they're coming after us and they are going to be here soon. They're marching on us even now. So we see Judah's problem. The second thing that we see here in this chapter is Jehoshaphat's prayer. Jehoshaphat's prayer We pick up in 2 Chronicles 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. See, in this moment, it's important for us to note that rather than despair, the king chose to pray. He chose prayer over despair. And in the midst of what you and I might be facing, those difficulties that we're coming up against, those those armies that that are charging our way and breathing down our neck, it's important that rather than despair and, and, and wring our hands and chew our fingernails into the quick, that we've gotta go to the Lord in prayer. That that's part of what entering into his gates with thanksgiving looks like is that we're spending time with him and we're telling him about the things that are going on in our life and and we're seeking after his guidance and direction on the forefront. So we see Judah's problem, we see Jehoshaphat's prayer. The third thing that we see is Jehaziel's prophecy. Jehaziel's prophecy. Continuing on and uh, skipping down to verse 13, it, it says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. See, what what God was about to do was an example for all generations. I love the part where it says that the men of Judah stood there with not only their wives, but also their children and their babies. See, uh, we we uh, moms and dads and, and, and us older people and whether whether they're our kids or our grandkids or or we're just setting the example for someone else's kids or grandkids, what what the what the the, the kingdom of God needs, what the church needs is is some some mothers and fathers, both biological and spiritual, to, to stand up and and set the example for younger generations. See, because the the way that mothers and fathers worship today is going to influence the way that our children worship tomorrow. And so they need to see us standing firm and and not not freaking out in the midst of it and going to the Lord and listening to his word and then stepping out in faithful obedience to it. And so this prophecy that comes from this man, Jehaziel, it, it it was simply an encouragement and a challenge to not fear and instead just trust in the Lord and what he was going to do. Just to trust in the Lord and what he was going to do. Judah's problem, Jehoshaphat's prayer, Jehaziel's prophecy. The fourth thing that we see here is Judah's praise. Here's where it starts to get really good. Second Chronicles 20 verse 21, it says, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Before they even set foot out on the battlefield that day, they were already giving him thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They chose to thank God long before he'd ever given them the victory. They chose to thank God, even though off in the distance they could still see all three of those armies marching toward them. They they chose to thank God, not knowing what was around the next corner, over the next mountain, down into the valley. They chose to thank God even before they'd received the outcome in the midst of battle. And then finally, as we close out this section, this passage of Scripture, we see jehovah's protection verses 22 through 24 it says at the very moment they began to sing and give praise the lord caused the armies of ammon moab and mount seir to start fighting among themselves the enemies of moab and ammon turned against their allies from mount seir and killed every one of them and after they destroyed the army of seir they began attacking each other So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. See, as soon as they thanked God for what was promised, that's when he came through with the provision. It wasn't until they activated their faith with thanksgiving that then God showed up and delivered the provision. And I love this quote from Joseph Excel. It says, the difference between an ordinary man of war and a Christian is this, the Christian shouts before the victory because he knows it is sure to come. The big idea for today is simply this, giving thanks for what we do not have positions us to receive what God will provide even before we step out into the battle, we're gonna thank God for the victory that he's going to bring our way. We're gonna, we're gonna proclaim, we're gonna shout the victory cry. We're gonna blow the trumpets. We're gonna lift up the banners in celebration because when we give thanks for the things that we don't have, when we give thanks for that which hasn't even been realized yet in our life, that, that's what positions us to receive whatever God is going to provide. It makes me think of a man by the name of George Mueller. Perhaps you've heard of him. In the late 1800s, he was a Christian evangelist, and he operated the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. And at one time, the orphanage was caring for a thousand orphans. And one morning, Mueller found himself in a dire situation. There was no food for the children to eat. And despite this fact, Mueller called all the children and the staff together into the dining hall. And he began to pray and thank God for the provision of food, even though there was no food on the table that day. A few moments later, there was a baker that knocked on the door. And he told Mr. Mueller that God had led him to bake bread the night before and to bring it to the orphanage. Before the bread was even passed out to the children, a a milkman knocked on the door. And he said that his milk truck had broken down nearby and he wanted to give the milk to the orphanage. Otherwise, it was going to spoil. George Mueller gave thanks even when it took faith to do so. He gave thanks when there was no bread or milk on the table. He gave thanks before it had been provided. He gave thanks not for what he already had, he gave thanks for what he knew God was going to do. And so when we choose to thank God for what he will do, then our prayers and our praise become a part of what he does. This coming Thursday, as we sit down around our tables with family and friends, it's not just the time to worship, It's a time to go to war, to thank God in advance for the things that we don't even have yet. To thank God beforehand for what he has yet to provide, but that we know and we are believing that he will. It's a time not just to give thanks for what's around or on the table. It's a time to give thanks for what's not even there yet. Somebody here needs to know that your situation may seem impossible. Perhaps at this moment, just looking around, you you find it difficult to find much to be thankful for in your life. In fact, not only has God not moved in your situation, but you're beginning to doubt whether or not he ever will. I want to challenge you today. To begin to give thanks for what you don't have and then get ready to receive what God alone can provide this thanksgiving let's choose to enter with thanksgiving rather than to wait and be thankful only after the provision has come only after our circumstances and our situation has changed I want you to imagine what might happen if we chose to live this way. What if if God is, is, is simply waiting on us to give thanks before he brings the provision and executes the miracle? What if your attitude, not just your lip service, but also a change in your heart, your decision to be thankful, what if that is the linchpin holding everything back right now? What story could God be writing in your life that might be revealed once you choose to enter with thanksgiving on the front end, before the encounter, before the experience, before anything has taken place. And how might that not only change your life, but how might it also inspire other people to follow Jesus as well? Remember, the order matters and it can often determine the outcome. So today, And every day, let's choose to be people that enter with thanksgiving rather than wait on the miracle to take place before we give it, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the principles, the direction, the promise of your word. Lord, I pray over each and every person that is within the sound of my voice this morning, Lord, that you would meet them at the point of their need. Lord, I can't even begin to imagine what some of these people are facing. Lord, and for many of them, it could be quite difficult to be thankful. God, I pray that you would help to open their eyes and give them a greater perspective of how you're already moving, the things that you want to do, Lord. I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage that it takes not not to wait to be thankful, but to show up with thanksgiving, to to be a person that enters with thanksgiving. Even though their hands may be empty, Lord, their hearts are full of thanks and they are readily expecting the provision that you are going to bring. And Father, I, I link arms with them and I join my faith with them right now, Lord, and we thank you for the provision for your people. Lord, I thank you for the needs that are going to be met. Lord, the 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 freedom that is going to take place from addiction and depression and anxiety and fear. Lord, I thank you for the provision that is going to take place financially in the life of someone this week. Lord I thank you for for marriages and relationships that are going to be restored, even though there seems to be no hope and their hearts have grown cold. Lord, I thank you for the healing that you are gonna provide in someone's body. Though the doctor's prognosis has been nothing but negative. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you are moving even though we cannot see them. Lord, and we trust in you. Lord, we recognize this morning that the battle is not ours, it is yours and that you are fighting on our behalf. And so we're gonna thank you in advance for the victory that is soon to come. We give you the glory and the honor, and the power and the praise. With all the thanksgiving and gratitude that we can muster. We worship you in this house today. It's in your mighty name that we pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.